So normally you talk about what's been going on, and it's all about the snow, but we can't talk about snow because this is timeless, you see. Someone uh, could be listening to this in the middle of summer. Right. So what I'm going to say no. is that whatever you do, don't mention the snow. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay so, but nothing else happened, did it? <laughs> it literally, yeah, it stopped everything. I was on a train that was sparking, which was incredibly exciting. Sparking? It was like going out the windows, just like as a... The wheels underneath where I was, they weren't just going round and round, they were going and, and lights as well with that noise. That's going to be the most exciting thing that we talk about on this programme. We might as well go home yeah. now. Yeah. This is Monkey Fingers at the Crypt. Welcome along to Monkey Fingers at the Crypt. I'm Brian Luff and I'm here with disgruntled gooner, Mr. James Shakeshaft. Uh, the, the ineffable Georgina Salby. Thank you. Words cannot describe me. You are correct. And uh, joining us today are comedian and comedy writer Dave Cohen. Hello. And our music guest is Phoebe Catis, from whom we shall be hearing delightful sounds in due course. Pressing the buttons in the box this week is uh, Adam Stokes. Oh, hello. How are you this week, Adam? I'm doing fantastic. How don't, are you guys? Don't mention the snow. <laughs> Whatever you do. Enough of the snow now. So it snowed a lot last snow, week, no didn't it, guys? Do not mention the snow. So, Dave, now, I, I want to put this in a polite way, right? But you kicked around the comedy business quite you're, a long time now. You're you? calling me old, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no. You have kicked. So how has it changed since the early days, uh, the dim and distant days of comedy yeah. in London? Well, the caves were where I started out <laughs> and uh, the Cro-Magnon man <laughs> 40,000 years ago. Um, I came, actually, I, I came to London in about uh, 1983 and uh, in fact, one of the first gigs I played was about 50 yards down the road from where we are. Uh, the King's Head in Crouch End. Know it well. Yes, um, we do. And uh, yes, it was. It, it was not. Uh, it, it was not a professional thing. But then it became professional. We started a thing called the Comedy Store Players back in 1985, and I think that changed a lot of things. That made performers more professional. And since that time, it has become a lot more professional. The performer has become much more important. Uh, or the writer-performer has become a much more important person than the writer. And so comedy is much more now... Comedy used to be led by writers, I'd say. It's very much read, led by writer-performers mm. now. So did you yeah. ever do the infamous gong show at the, uh, the I store? I didn't, no. No, I was uh, lucky to be... Uh, I was in... Uh, when the comedy store started, and so I was already a kind of working comic, so I, I was um, one of the original performers I used to compare there quite a lot as well did, did you compare the gong show no i didn't they, they, they didn't have the gong show at that point they thought this was a little bit of a demeaning thing <laughs> which, which of <laughs> course it is they've done it for about th three years actually i did do a gong show once about sort of four years before i started i came to london i was a journalist in south wales there's a big thing that's happening and i think keith allen was the compare at the time uh and i did two songs um, and I didn't get booed off, which apparently was was sort of quite good, really. So. <laughs> and it wasn't even in the same place, was it? In those it days, was in a, it was in a, uh, a strip joint in Soho or something. Uh, you had to go in a lift and go up, and there's all these sort of uh, and drag artists and people in the in the lift, uh, and it was all uh, very exciting for a provincial lad like me. I can tell you. Anyway, moving on to uh, Georgina's uh, fabulous, wonderful world of knowledge. 
What have you got for us, Georgina, in your enjoyable world of knowledge? <laughs> it's wonderful, man. It's just time. wonderful. I lied. I found out this week that in ancient Persia, men would debate ideas both sober and then they'd have a drink and, dis- and, and debate them drunk because they didn't think an idea could be fully formed unless you discussed it both sober and drunk. <laughs> Don't you think that is the world's best idea? That's the House of Commons. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of everywhere, well, it's isn't it? It's a pub, really. Every yeah. pub that I've ever been to. Yeah, to start and then the end, yeah. yeah. Although we should discuss this again later, <laughs> after a few beers. After yeah. a few beers. But I do like the idea, because quite often when you have that idea that you're very drunk and you have a brilliant idea, and so you write it down, so mm. when sober you can see it in the morning. I think we do it, but we kind of do it the other way around, don't we? Brilliant idea, and then you look the next day and you're slightly disappointed. Mm. Um, oh, many of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant word that I learnt this week is um, Hufflebuffs. Hufflebuff. Anyone want to care to guess what a Hufflebuff is? It's, a, it's not one of the houses in Harry Potter. Is it somebody <laughs> who really knows a lot about Harry, Harry Potter? <laughs> Harry Potter. It's from the 19th century. I'll give you a clue. No, it's it's cl- it's what we would call like clothes that you don't want to get out of. But in the 19th century, when you were all done up in your corsets and your okay. tight-fitted costume, when you came home, you changed into your Hufflebuffs because your Hufflebuffs were the things you could relax in and wanted to stay in for the next few days oh, without going yeah. out. I and call, I, yeah. It seems the opposite of the, what I know of the word buff. Yeah. <laughs> As in naked. As in naked. Yeah. Those are different Hufflebuffs now, right, I suppose, okay. aren't they? Yeah. That's unshaven buffs. What do you throw on when you get home? I put my houses on, which are my house trousers. Oh, my houses. yeah. Houses. Sometimes I call them the doogies. If huh? there's people of a certain age that will get the Doogie Howser reference. <laughs> oh. Not oh. anyone here, obviously. Right. So yeah. you have house yeah. trousers. Do you not leave the house in them at all? Are they too disgusting to <laughs> be seen <laughs> I think in public? It's, it is the public that would be disgusted by what they could see through my house trousers because they're, they're, they're somewhat worn. Oh. Yes, I'm ashamed to admit that I am probably wearing my Hufflebuffs. Are you wearing your Hufflebuffs <laughs> These are the right clothes now. that I've been wearing most of this week. They're kind of warm enough in the snow, uh, but the trousers are, luckily this is, not only is this podcast, so you can't see this, but also <laughs> I'm at a desk, so even most of the people in this room can't see. The trousers that I'm wearing are definitely the most embarrassing trousers that I never go out in, but unfortunately somebody came round earlier, I haven't had a chance to change my trousers. Is it just because I'm wondering, do all men don't mind wearing, do they? You know when jeans go... In between the legs. Crotch pop. Yeah. Oh, is that called? That has a name, doesn't it? Called crotch pop. Called crotch pop. I'm glad I found You see, that's another word that I've learned. It's a good one. Crotch pop. Uh, Now, men don't seem to mind crotch pop. No, well, I get mine repaired My house trousers. I actually today just noticed (laughs) that these jeans I'm wearing had a crotch pop. Right. Double crotch pop. Oh. uh, And I got that repaired and the crotch pop has (laughs) re-popped. Well, my house trousers, strangely enough, I've got double crotch pop. Double crotch pop. It's always the knee for me. The second I get home this evening, I will slip them back on again. (laughs) Yeah, I I slip out of them. Even though it's (laughs) it's my only an hour before I go to bed, I will slip them on just to just for that feeling of comfort. I I feel embarrassed because Brian, you've obviously made such an effort. Yes, (laughs) 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 editorially. I'm embarrassed. Oh, no. <laughs> Georgina, what are your Hufflebuffs? My Hufflebuffs are anything that isn't tight. Anything that isn't tight at all. Like no jeans, uh, no skin. You see, I've, skinny jeans for me have like outlasted their welcome now. That You only seem to be able to buy skinny jeans and I can't bear them because I don't want to wear something that takes half an hour to put on and get off. 
I've seen some people in trousers that seriously look like they, they've been welded to them. And I know every generation has it because we used to get in the bath with our jeans on so they shrink to fit you. And then, then, and then you, struggle to get them off How did you again. get them off? Yeah. Well, you didn't, you didn't. You kind of peeled them off. And then every time you washed them, they were supposed to go back to that shape. It didn't really work, though, because jeans give away eventually, don't they? Did you ever go through a skinny jeans phase? I never day? even <laughs> went, I went. I never bought jeans and never probably will. And I think it's probably... The, the, the world is better for not having seen me in a pair of jeans. <laughs> I love that. My mum's never worn jeans ever in her life no. either. I've only ever worn jeans. I don't, <laughs> I don't, have, I don't have anything else. You don't have I have things. one suit and it doesn't fit. <laughs> Also, this week I learnt um, the, the Japanese word tamaton. Oh, tamaton. Tamatan. Sorry, tamatan. Now, tamatan is a machine. This is this is an actual thing, everybody. It's a machine that sits on your back and feeds you tomatoes as you run or jog. Oh, of course. Yeah. I can't. Why Finally. do you need tomato? <laughs> I had a small boy doing it, but now I can automate it. It sits on your back. It sits on your back and feeds you. I don't even... I haven't looked does at the photograph. Le- does it have legs? Well, no, you put it on your back and it feeds you tomatoes as you run out. I've never heard of the idea that you need tomatoes while you run. I'm not really sure what's in a tomato. They do we... seem actually the perfect running snack. Because <laughs> they've got a little bit of sugar about them, yeah, but not yeah. too much. They've got a lot of moisture going on Yes, there. I suppose. Yeah. And you don't have to throw anything away, so someone well, wouldn't fall... Well, the misery pips... The mi- oh, the bits... The little, slimy, yeah. green, misery pips. <laughs> you know? Misery pips as well. Yeah, somebody might say, well, I, I, I prefer to have fruit. And another person might say, well, I prefer to have vegetable. And they say, well, oh. you can have either. Oh. One fruit, one oh. item, yes. two things. The and two also you don't have to stop running. <laughs> no, because yeah, you've got your yeah. tamatan yeah. on. And also, last but not least... No, I, it's before you move on from that. Oh, it's, sorry, are you going to... It's weird because only yesterday... I was walking down Crouch Hill and I saw this guy running along, <laughs> jogging, with a machine on his back, yeah. feeding him tomatoes. Well, now well, you know what I, I call it. I wondered what that was. It's a tamatan. Is it like... Uh, is it... <laughs> say it! You say, say it! Say it! <laughs> you say tamatan, I tamatan. say... Oh! Also tamatan, Tamatan. Tomatan. You yeah. say yeah. tomatan, yeah. I say tomatan. Also, when I said earlier that they'd automated it, I didn't think it through and I should. I now want to claim that that was a pun. <laughs> right. Last but not least, there's a museum of rocks in Japan. A museum of rocks? No, but even better than that, <laughs> it's a museum of rocks with faces. Oh, I think I saw Have you been? Have you been to the museum of no, rocks no, no, with no, faces? No. But I you've heard of it. Piece or something? I missed it, I there's, a, there's a lady. It's in. Uh, it's just outside Tokyo, and there's a lady called Lo- Yoshiko, and she carries on her father's tradition of searching and keeping rocks with celebrities' faces. Ah. She's already got Johnny Depp. Everybody. Whoa! I know. What but, era? <laughs> no, it's now. Whoa! Now. Did he? Gr- did she find it before he started looking like the pirate? <laughs> 
And then it's like, oh, this is. This, I'll keep this just in case. Just in case he he grows into this. What he other grow cele- into What other celebrities well, she, does she she's have? She's got Elvis as well. She's oh, got God. the Rock of Elvis. Yeah, got yeah. And and sometimes if a rock doesn't look particularly like someone, she'll add a wig to it <laughs> to, to tell you what that. I mean, I'm imagining a That's rock. That's cheating. The, the minute you put a sort of Dolly Parton wig on, you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah. No, but I have looked at some of these rocks, and although I wouldn't as say to her that they actually look like celebrities, I have to say that all her rocks do have faces. Look, once mm. you go as far as putting a wig on a rock, then you sure she's not just <laughs> drawing little yeah. faces? Yeah, on she got a little hammer and chisel. She and actually, she just yeah. away. Yeah. And then maybe you you kind of you know, sit them opposite you at the table and start talking to them. <laughs> That's the next a bit of a weird fan thing going there on. There was a big thing for pet rocks, wasn't there? In the oh, yes. 70s, 80s. Yes. A lot of people had pet rocks. Well, didn't the Japanese have the pet... Um, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's where it comes from. That she yeah. said the most difficult that's thing. An egg. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The most difficult thing to find in a rock is uh, the nose. She says quite often a rock will have eyes, but it won't have a nose. Yeah. <laughs> she spends way too long searching for rocks. I think rocks that look like musicians seems to be the perfect time <laughs> to take a little break now. And here from Phoebe Peters. <laughs> Thank you very much. to share a little bit about you show me you're there you promised to talk to me you promised to spare a little bit of your time show me you care so why do I find myself at the end of my tether always said it waiting for things to get better you promise that you're into me And you want to make this good All I'm realizing is Your promises are just no good You promise you'll be over soon At midnight Oh, by the time you get to me It's getting light You promise that you're out of time But you'll let me know when Well, baby, if you really wanted it You could have made Just no good, just no good, no good, just no good, just no good, just no good. Oh, baby, I've been patient, taking it day by day, but it feels a little wasted on someone so stuck in their ways. Oh, you promised that you're into me. You don't want to let this go. Well, show me some sincerity, because your promises are just no good. Just no good. Just no good. Just no good. No, I'm good. Just no good. Just no good. Just no
hiatus, and uh, we'll be hearing more from uh, Phoebe a bit later on. Phoebe, what are you up to at the moment? It's exciting. <laughs> well, the song I just played is my next single, which is coming out on the 23rd of March, and it's called Promises. Um, and we're working on a B-side to that single at the moment. So I'm in the studio, um, doing a lot of gigs, um, and yeah, basically the freelance musician lifestyle. So you're going to be touring or festivaling this summer? Um, well, I go to the Edinburgh Fringe. I went to the Fringe last year with a Carol King story. One of my favourite <laughs> albums of all time mm. is Tapestry. What's yeah. your favourite track on uh, Tapestry? <sighs> Probably Way Over Yonder. You make me feel like a, a natural, natural woman. woman. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, the, that's well. You make me feel like a natural woman. You can't <laughs> Yeah, it's odd when you maintain eye contact. <laughs> I live my life by that album, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You've got to get up every morning mm-hmm. with a smile on your face and show the world all the love in your heart. That's the, that, you've got to do that. Yeah, well. and uh, so you're doing Edinburgh this year? Yeah, um, I've got two shows this year. So we've got Carol King and a Voices of Bond story. So I kind of tell the story behind the singers who've sung the Bond themes or as much as we can fit into 50 minutes. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to be doing impressions of all the people <laughs> that have played James Bond. Unfortunately I'm not. Yeah. We it might. sound good. <laughs> I think there yeah. are probably about... Ten shows that are doing that. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Phoebe, you've done a bit of film music as well, I think, haven't you? Yes, I wrote a song for the film Kajaki, The True Story, which was a British war film. Uh, it was 2014, and it was about our troops in Afghanistan, an incident that happened in 2006. So it's like one of the most modern British war films, what the most modern, mm. I believe. And, uh, and yeah, I recorded that song in here in this room oh. with uh, with the team and yeah it did really well it got a, it picked up a couple of BAFTAs and um, a couple of biffers and generally <laughs> it's gone down well yeah I'm pretty sure that's what we used to call drugs <laughs> <laughs> so uh, more put my hand up I don't know what a biffer is more from it's <laughs> quite a sort of bigger at one end than the other <laughs> okay so more from uh, Phoebe later on but coming up next it's uh, Desert Island Don'ts <laughs> So this is that part of the program when we try and imagine what's the last thing in a world in the world that we would actually want to take to a desert island. It's the it's the opposite, the polar opposite, if you will, of uh, desert island discs. James, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his angry face. Yeah. A jewel flush toilet. Right. Multiple reasons. Yeah. Obviously. Doesn't really matter. You just either do it in the sea or bury it. <laughs> <laughs> Two, there's not going to be plumbing there <laughs> to plumb it in. Um, but the main reason, what do the buttons mean? No, I agree. What do the button mean? Oh, is it a big oh, button for a big flush? Yeah. Or is it more difficult to press the little button? Mm-hmm. So they put the big flush in there so that you're saving water. So when people are just passing through, they press the big one. What well, what's going on? And what about the the, the single button that's got, that's in in half? And that's you it. Press, if you press the top, it does one thing. No, it's a load of rubbish. Bottom, now I, thing. I know. I talked to a plumber about this, and the plumber said they are not two separate buttons. However long you hold them in for, that's how long the flush so is. Scam. So, so, so it's an absolute it. scam. So why There's two no buttons? need. Now, that's what I said to him. I said, why are there two buttons? He said people just prefer it that way. 
people prefer it's psychological we like to we like to think one is a little one so and we press it for less but and then you press the I, one I for longer i don't wish to be a dissenting voice <laughs> i have never know? seen a two-button toilet that hasn't done exactly what it says on the system or whatever it is supposed to be you press the little button you get a little flush a little flush little, little button number ones big button number twos <laughs> have you te- have you actually tested it though like timed it and stuff like I've not, I haven't actually stood there with a stopwatch. Uh, I, 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 I have a, a life, James. So, yeah. <laughs> First but thing you do actually, when you get home. I will do that now. Yeah. Well, no, I won't. Actually. No. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. But, uh, no, no. I, I, I've sort of looked at it really, and it sort of goes, oh, little flush, and then oh, a big flush. Oh, I miss yeah. No... I, I, I take your point actually. There's one toilet actually that I've seen where. It's, it's not working, so there's a sort of little bits of water coming through the whole time. That's not. That's probably not pertinent to this conversation. No, that's probably a little bit more information than is necessary for this program. Where is this toilet? There's so one toilet. You are, water listen, coming through. you are listening to Mikey Fingers, which talks about the big issues yeah. of, of the day. Uh, yeah. I are, agree. I agree with that one wholeheartedly. Can't are, bear them. If you know, want my handle back. Tweet me. Tweet me. If you know what's going on, tweet yes. me. Get, bring it. Yes. Bring it. I'll follow you back. We'll take this to DMs. (laughs) We are at monkeyfingersuk or the website is monkeyfingers.co.uk or if you want to use good old-fashioned email, uh, you can studio at monkeyfingers.co.uk. Head in your email, yes. Yes. I think that a button that you press on the toilet is... I don't know. Big buttons of poos. <laughs> no, no, big buttons of poos. It's very different. Let's be honest. No one's going to email us <laughs> and tell us what the, the, what their views are on the button on the you toilet. Might, you might be surprised. Yeah. yeah. You never yeah. know what emails you'll get when you run a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, so Georgina, Desert Island Don'ts this week? I'm not going to take uh, music that is so loud it makes cars vibrate. Because mm. that really annoys me. We're on a, we live on a main road, and basically every time a car goes past, where the music is so loud, it must be it must be basically deafening the person inside. You can actually feel the vibrations from the car. Have you ever been walking along the street and you can actually feel the vibrations yeah. coming up? They can't I don't hear want it inside. To ta- no. they just they've just put their speakers in the, in the doors <laughs> right. outwards, like yes. broadcasting. Yes, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe it's an, yeah. an outside broadcast. Sometimes it hits the natural frequency of the glass. It does. Mm. So you can actually in our flat, in our flat, and you can actually. That's officially what it does. There were two noticeable vehicles that used to drive past our old flat in Brixton. One was the one that could rattle the windows yes. <laughs> with yeah. the car, and the other was a motorbike that always turned up at six, seven twenty right. p.m. and he'd always go ring just yeah. as he parked up. We gave him the nickname Rev. Rev. Uh, and occasionally we'd see Rev, and that yeah. was a very special day mm. if you'd seen. But, but Rev. you can actually time your day on loud vehicles around ours as well. I mean, mm. I think in London you get so used to like. I mean, bin men and school buses are the obvious ones, but there's someone who must travel home on a very noisy motorbike at about twenty past eleven every night, and it really does sound like what's what's a famous motorbike race? I'm not really onto motorbike races. Isle of Man. Le, the Isle of Man. It sounds like he's doing the Isle of Man. Every night but at eleven twenty. Georgina, if you, you, if you lived it. on a on a desert island, yeah. there would probably be the equivalent of that. <laughs> like there might be it's like a really noisy monkey. Yes. That that makes a racket a at the same time monkey. every day. A yeah. screecher monkey. Or, I, 
think of as a nickname of mine. I mean, not what seagulls are like. I mean, they'll wake you up at four in the morning. That's true. Mm. In Crouch End. Yes, that is true. So and Edinburgh. Imagine that. The skylight from hell in Edinburgh. Imagine so, that on a desert in, island. Yeah. So you're not going to escape from that whole no. passing noisy thing. But I'm not going to take my own then. Well, I'm not going to add more. You could use it to frighten off the other noisy <laughs> creatures. <laughs> man- menagerie. Of... I haven't thought it through, have I, James? You see, yeah. your logical mind has already solved it for me. I need to take well, really that, loud music that, with that's me. That's what James is here for, Jordan. Yes, it's I am. It's that, that cold logic that, <laughs> that he brings to the programme. I think mm. James would make an excellent Doctor Who. I'm going to petition. So, Dave, what's the last thing you take well, on the desert island? Well, I, I would first of all, I would just like to add to Georgina's one, which is actually it's a it's a not nearly as loud a noise, but it's a noise that I remember, in fact, from my days of comparing at the comedy store, and I used to get home at about four in the morning. I lived on uh, lived in an estate just off Clapham Common. And there was this thing that would start on a Sunday morning at 9am. <laughs> Every Sunday, uh, it was a, a, there was a little pond and it was uh, some model boats. And it wasn't <laughs> that loud. But having got to bed at sort of 4 or 5 in the morning and then 9am... <laughs> so that is definitely something that I wouldn't yeah. take. Yeah. It is little. That it doesn't that, have to be a big noise, most, does it? It was the fact of having had four hours sleep. And this, mm. Well, I think that's a mosquito. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have mosquitoes. Because they are notorious yeah. for using remote control boats. <laughs> right. they um, bloody love them. I certainly, I would take my huffle buffs. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think oh. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to take Richard Branson. Oh, <laughs> that would be my thing. Because if Richard Branson was there. That would probably mean that he owned that <laughs> island, and I'd probably have to end up paying him rent, or I'd probably have to pay for Wi-Fi or whatever else. He's got yes. all the transport yes. sorted, all the Wi-Fi, uh, different uh, money schemes or whatever. So that that's my my choice. Adam, in the box, anything that uh, this week that you fancy not taking to a desert island? Oh goodness, you've caught me off guard. Well, that's I wasn't what I was trying to do. So no, that's mean. So that's, that's what I, I would take probably. I don't know. What's on Desert Island? Uh, sand, fruit, <laughs> trees. That's stuff I wouldn't take, I suppose. Yeah. You wouldn't want to take sand to a desert island, would no. you? No. Nope. Most other islands, yeah, definitely. I mean, yes. I wouldn't no. take salt water. No. Good. Mm. No. <laughs> what I like about uh, that, you is that you always bring a touch of sanity <laughs> to the, to the programme. <laughs> Phoebe, anything you would not want to take to a desert island? Snow boots. Oh, you're yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> snow, boots. snow boots. Snow boots. It's good. Don't mention the snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might be why I said it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny you should say that because I wrote this week, I wrote down sledge. Sledge. So, oh. breaking, my, sledge. breaking my, breaking your, own, breaking my own law. You're about. setting a rule and then breaking it yourself. I know. Why, why not? But well, also, not just the sledge. You know those tin trays that they sort of like, they yeah. lie on? To do the skeleton when they come down. Yeah. Mm. No one take one of those. What? Either. But uh, sand dunes. Yeah. Go sand dune surfing. Yeah. You know, I called it the skellington, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that does that? It's the Olympic no. skellington. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Skele- talk of skellingtons. My uh, niece said the other day that when she she said that she found it interesting that the teeth was the only part of the skellington that you brushed, <laughs> and that you kept clean. <laughs> right. And I thought that's a valid point, isn't it? That I'd is never, I'd never good. thought about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what minutes. she's going to be when she grows up, but she's, she's thinking outside the box there. So let's move it on to uh, things you wouldn't tell your mother. 
things right. you wouldn't tell your mother. So, David. Uh, no, you don't like to be called David, I don't do mind. you? I you, don't like, you prefer Dave. My mum used to call me David. Well, Is called, that why you keep flinching? I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll call you David. Have you brought something along, a little story to tell us, something you would not tell your mother? Well, it's, I suppose it's not an actual story. It's quite difficult because, uh, she, you know, she, she died in 1991, so it's about 27 years. Uh, so there's quite an awful lot of stuff uh, that, that, that I definitely... There's a huge backlog. There's a massive backlog. <laughs> Uh, I really uh, would not want to tell her uh, what has happened to Leeds United. (laughs) 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 Because that is just the saddest, most desperate story. She was a bit of a... uh, She wasn't as big a Leeds fan as I was, but she she liked it. And in fact, a couple of years after she died, Leeds United started to do really well. And they were actually amazing for about two years, Mm. uh, in the two years after she died. And then the next... 25 years they've spent uh, paying for that two years of mini success. Um, so that's the probably the, main, the most important thing that, that I wouldn't tell her. Uh, thinking of all the things that I couldn't tell her, I'm not even sure I can tell you them now because I'm not sure. Oh, you can share. Sure. It's yeah. only the four of us. I'm not sure how, long do, how long do convictions last <laughs> after, that, after they happen? You know, but, yeah, uh, the statute of limitations right, on, on yeah. stories. No, I mean, I think of this uh, podcast as being very confessional, I think. Right. It's a very confessional uh, arena, I think. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to tell us anything I suspect, that you wouldn't tell your mum. Yeah. I did have a, uh, a relationship which um, lasted six years uh, with, uh, with uh, when I was a student and then subsequently, and I, I, I didn't... I didn't tell her about it um, because what the whole six years? I know, I know. it was because wow. um, because it was very much. I came from a very very sort of tight knit Jewish community, and it was expected that I would marry uh, somebody Jewish. And the first person I met when I went to college wasn't Jewish, and um, so in, in the end, inevitably, um, we split up because she just found it very hard not being able to meet my family. And then um, the reason I can't tell this story, but it's too late now, is because my mum knew about it anyway. Oh. <laughs> She'd never said anything. So, um, Did you ever tell your mother about the six-year relationship, or was she like, yeah, I knew? She, uh, yeah, she kind of... Um, well, actually, well, it was three years, and then we had long periods when we weren't together. So it was mainly, it was mainly a sort of three-year period. But it was at the end of the sort of three-year period, she kind of... Yeah, yeah, yes, I know. So there was somebody else from Leeds who'd gone to the same university as me, uh, and they knew someone who knew someone, and they said, "Oh, yes, yes I've seen your son, and yes, and met it, his girlfriend as well. Very nice I've girl." Ever told my mum that I thought was going to be a, a devastating piece of news to her. She's always just turned around and gone, oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Even about Leeds. Yeah, even about Leeds United. It's incredible. <laughs> mothers know, they just do. I know. think mothers yeah. know everything. It's yeah. the classic one where at the age of about 15, we all decided, me and my friends decided that we were going to try smoking because that's just what you did when you were about 15. And I hid a packet of cigarettes in my wardrobe and I realised my mum knew that I was pretending to smoke 
when when half of it had gone because, <laughs> because she just fancied some and just taken them and she knew that I couldn't say anything and she didn't say anything so that was it we had a kind of stalemate on the cigarettes the but mum's know everything like, was it the, sort of the, the, the whiff of tobacco that was kind of oh yeah your room, you, you think you're getting away with it you come yeah. home and you smell more of polo mints than any other no, thing yeah. on earth and therefore people know that you're smoking it's the simple you used to kind of be able to get away when you could smoke in pubs you could get away with it because you just Actually, say oh, I've yes. just been in the pub Yes, yeah. and, and inhaling a, a lot more than most <laughs> yeah. other people. My yeah. mum had a, a, an alarm that stopped me smoking because you know those old uh, cigarette uh, cases that when you open them they play a little tune. Oh, well, my mum's and she's still got it now. My mum's got one that plays Lara's theme from Doctor Chicago <laughs> rather rather beautifully, and she used to put all the cigarettes in the house into that so that. If, if you thought you could sneak a cigarette, yeah. you, you would open it, and Lara's theme from Dr. Zivago would tell that you, you were going to have a cigarette. But to this day, if she watches a film, does she really want a cigarette? No. Because surely no. that's just like something no, that would make her go, oh, yeah. I don't think she's had a cigarette for about 60 years. <laughs> You're right, OK. <laughs> but no, she, was, you know, she used to smoke socially at the time. In the, in and those, to music. In those yeah. days, people used to, <laughs> thinking back Specific to those days... <laughs> Used to have, my mum and dad used to have parties and they used to put cigarettes out in bowls oh, yes. around the yes. house. I that think idea I remember you could that. help yourself. That yeah. idea of the cigarette fountain kind of thing, you yeah. see it, like, yeah, it yeah. pops up. And, the, yes. and those things that oh, you see in yes. se- second-hand shops nowadays, the little personal ashtrays. Yeah, my granddad had a personal ashtray. I had one of those. Yeah. Did, you ever have, did you have one where you yeah, pressed yeah. the top and it yeah, spun yeah. around? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh. That's 90% of the fun of smoking, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's that ashtray. It's personal ashtrays. I remember when my dad won an award for acting and he got this very fancy award. And when my mum's dad, my granddad, came to stay, he just presumed it was my dad's personal <laughs> ashtray and used it as such while he was there. And we were all too polite to ask him not to do it. Do you think he knew and he was like just having a dinner? Maybe yeah. that, is, that is possible ah, well as done. well. Acting, yes. acting career. Yes. 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 Stop, stop. God, I miss smoking. <laughs> Did you ever smoke, Dave? Oh, God, yes. Well, I could tell, 19, uh, I could tell you the date. November the 7th, 1985 was the last cigarette that wow. I had. Wow, you know to the day. Yeah, yeah. But I went do, to do, a do you find that you don't really? know what's going on so well as you used to when you smoked? If you were freelancing somewhere, if you were working mm. somewhere, you'd always go outside for the fag break and all the interesting mm. people that knew what was going on in the business yeah. or in the, in the company yes. yeah. were all outside smoking. And that's how you found out what was going on, mm. by, by hanging out with the smokers. Mm. Did yeah. you find that? I, I always thought we did, we had uh, we caused controversy in our sixth form because we all said that once you were over the age of sixteen you were allowed to smoke and it's legal and so they had to give us a smoking room but unfortunately they put the smoking room just outside the sixth form where everyone else queued to get into the classes so basically all these little eleven year olds <laughs> were being blasted with like f- fumes and fumes and fumes as they queued so in the end we had to be told that we couldn't do it anymore but we yeah all the gossip it happens with a cigarette in your mouth. The comedy club that they briefly mentioned earlier downstairs at the King's Head used to be, well, it's in a basement, and it used to mm. fill to the brim yes. with smoke and used to go in there and there'd be like choking mm. smoke. Yeah. It was all yeah. part of the atmosphere. Yeah. One, of the, <laughs> one of the reasons that I stopped, because I used to sing as well as do stand-up, and in fact the King's Head was, was the worst venue for this, Best. the King's Head and the old comedy store low ceiling yes. and the smoke sort of settled at throat height and you walk on stage and you could just see this sort of fog of smoke where mm. you 
if, right, right where your throat was. In fact, you, who, who yeah. co-started the, the mm. club, actually had to had to stop doing gigs there because mm. he was he was in, he didn't smoke. He was yeah. inhaling so yeah. much smoke. Well, he did smoke through, through being on stage. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So let's move on to Trump news. James, what have you got for us in Trump news this week? Um, this actually happened. This actually happened today. Um, it was after his nap. Uh, he woke up around. I actually had to wake him up. It was about quarter past three, half past three. And the thing was, we we needed to go to the supermarket. Today's a Sunday. We need to go to the supermarket. The supermarket shuts at four p.m. So I had to get him up and ready to go. He was very grumpy from being woken up. Um, I said, if we go to the supermarket, I'll I'll buy you a gingerbread man. He said no. Oh, oh. I said, okay, I'll buy you one of those horse-shaped biscuits that you like. And he said, look, I want a horse-shaped biscuit. (laughs) So we're on, we're on. We go to the supermarket, we get there. The bakery's shut. No. Isn't it? Yeah. The bakery is shut. And I managed to find off the shelf one of these decorate your own gingerbread man. Right. We get it back home. He didn't really seem to remember his ultimatum probably because he'd recently (laughs) woken. Uh, So it it turned out all right. And the happy ending is it turns out that he can successfully pronounce decorate. Decorate? Oh, that's good. You know what you've done. Sorry, is this Trump news? You you know what you've done. I've done it again. It's happened again, hasn't it? You've done it again. That was a story about my two-year-old. Sorry. (laughs) Time for books we haven't read this week. So uh, I'm going to kick this one off. Okay. A book I haven't read this week. What haven't you read this week? I was in a charity shop. uh, Okay. I saw this book. Uh, it's called Learning to Play with a Lion's Testicles. Excellent It's book. by someone called Melissa Haynes. Learning to play? Yeah, learning to play with a lion's testicles. Learning I've, to play what? I've read the blurb. <laughs> no, I've, I've read the blurb on the book and I've looked it up. I've Googled it as well. And the, the, apparently the reason it's called that is that that's an African saying that means to take foolhardy chances. Right? Mm. Take the, okay. take the bull but, by the horns, but, effectively. Ah, yeah. so I, okay, but I, at the other yeah, end of the bull. Yeah. I yeah. bought the book. I've, I paid 50p for it. Yes. I'm not going to read it. No. Because when I looked at the blurb about the uh, <laughs> of the, <laughs> the author... It wasn't right? about Lion's Death. To my surprise, yeah. the blurb about Melissa Haynes, because I'm thinking, well, you know, she's, she's, if she's writing uh, something about uh, Africa, then she must have travelled and she must know what she's talking about. Yes. This is her, this is the blurb, this is her CV, right? <laughs> Melissa Haynes's project management experience what? landed her a handful of lucrative Olympic contracts for the Winter Olympics. Right? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I can't work out why this CV is attached to this person that wrote a book called Learning to Play with the Lion's Testicles. So I'm upset by the whole thing. I'm not going to be reading that book. Don't read the book. I don't blame you because actually when you see a title of a book, uh, what's it again? Say it. Learning to to play with the Lion's lion's Testicles. testicles. Nothing in that book you just know is going to come up to the level of that title. That's true. Everything will be a disappointment from then on. Mm. You have already done... 
the correct work than that. Really. Georgina and I uh, know all about that because we wrote an enormously disappointing book ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which <laughs> called Sex Tips for Pandas. And as Dave quite rightly said, it didn't yeah. really ever come up. No, to, you can't, you can't follow that, can you? That what you need is a really dull title that you can then sort of make interesting. Or no. just don't claim that you're doing something you're not. You're not learning no. to play with a lion's testicles no. in one short lesson. You're not giving any sex tips to any pandas. Just be honest. No, to be fair, can, can we, we absolutely gave were. sex tips to, okay. to pandas. Oh, right. So, okay. so, well, fair enough. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we did live up to up. the title. I mean, yeah. we did. There's at least two chapters mm. on helping pandas yeah, and their sex yeah, lives. Really? Still oh, available yeah. on uh, Amazon, <laughs> by the way. So, James, any books you haven't read this week? Well, there's two now. Um, no, uh, London's London's secret tubes, London's wartime <laughs> citadels, subways, and shelters uncovered. Oh, yeah, Matt, I think no. I might actually have been on that tour. Really, <laughs> I think it, I have. But surely, if they're uncovered, then yeah, they're not, they're not secret. Anymore. They're no longer a secret nor a tube. No, no. they're they're an, they're a, an obvious gutter. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really interesting. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> That title is drawing me in. So why is it? Why is it? I got it out. I got it from the library. Why is it drawing you in? I got it from the. I've had a lot on. Yeah. I got it from the library and then I took it back to the library this week and saw how long I'd had it for. I may as well have bought that book. Yes. Yes. And and chucked it in the bin. You see, that's why I can't go to the library anymore. I have to go to charity shops for books because I was just returning them without reading them. If I bought them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, if if I bought them from a charity shop, I can put them on a shelf, and when I get round to them, I get round to them, and it is inevitably going to be cheaper than going to the library. And I hate that because I blooming love libraries. I love Mm. libraries. I could sit in a library all day. I know that's weird, but I just love being surrounded by books. Um, I'm like uh, talking about being surrounded by books. Yes, I, a book I haven't I, read. This I, no, Sexy Pandas oh. is just, still available. Just, just <laughs> as an aside, <laughs> I, was, I was recording, a, for, for reasons that we won't go into, I was recording an interview in our flat today, and Georgina looked at the, uh, the tape and she said, oh, that's re-, she says, you've got piles and piles of my books behind you. Is this? Did you put them there to make you look more interesting? Well read. It did it look, look like you'd, you'd, he'd taken all the books I read and they put them behind him in a sort of mass so it made it look like he well, was a really You have to dress a shot, Georgina. <laughs> oh, but you've got to be careful. Yeah, no, you don't want people catching you out and asking you too much about them. I know. Like I the always look at the books. Oh, when I anyone think. is being interviewed, I always look on the books on the shelves behind them you can tell so much about someone's bookshelf you can mm. tell from about the person from the bookshelf there's a pub that we drink in down in uh, near, <laughs> near Bournemouth uh, occasionally when we go and visit my mum and there's an alcove in this pub and it's got wallpaper in it that, mm. of books it's with, a wall yes with book the, wallpaper oh, that, with yeah, the actual yeah. title it's really yeah. sad and you, you, this would annoy so you just I know the way your brain works this would annoy you the, the, yeah. the it goes around the corner Yes. Oh. So that you can actually see. <laughs> and then you've got the, the spines of the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Why lie? Why oh, lie? No, no. And it'll do your head in even more. They haven't balanced it out properly. So at the, they've obviously started from the top where there's a full book. Right. Full book, full book. And they've cut it off in the middle, like half, half a book. A book half yeah. a book at the bottom. It's, it's really like bad. The universe, the universe twists and turns on itself. <laughs> <laughs> it would freak you out. Yeah. We'll take you there one day and yeah. see you in that Corner. Just <laughs> angers me so much. So, Dave, anything you haven't read this week? Well, I have a, I have a 
topically boring story, really, <laughs> which is... Uh, not to this specific podcast. <laughs> what, not this specific podcast. That's what we're here because for. It, it, it really is totally topical because uh, just before Christmas, I, I, uh, I can't Never met this guy, but we, I get chatting to this guy called Andy Miller, who's a who's a very successful writer. And he wrote a book called The Year of Reading Dangerously. He read and he read about two hundred books in a year or something. Wow. And he last year he read the complete uh, series, twelve books, Dance to the Music of Time uh, by Anthony Powell, which I've always sort of heard of and thought, oh, I must try and read them sometime. And he said, that the, very simple, what you do is uh, you read one read one a month. And I thought, oh, that's not a bad idea. And I nipped into the local Oxfam shop. There happened to be uh, book one and book two yeah. uh, available. And so I got them. And in January, I read book one and I ploughed through it. Oh, it was all right, you know. And I thought, okay. And I got to January the 31st. I managed to finish it just by January the 31st. <laughs> I was excited. Um, <laughs> and I, the, the, and I'm, I thought, right, I've got all of February to read book two. A nice short book. Um, and it got to February the 26th, which was about a week ago, and I just thought, I really, God, I've got to get started. And it got to the 1st of March, about two days ago, and I thought, I haven't read it, and that's it. So I'm not reading them anymore, because I, I wasn't it. able to do oh, it. Oh, you haven't so done So that it. is a book that I specifically have not read, as I said. A tailor-made story, made story for, the, yeah. for this item. Yeah. 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 The first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We, Does it live up to the title? Have you got any moves? Uh, is it the ro- is it tend to be the robot? Or it's is it just a actually shuffle? well, that's exactly I was expecting. You know, oh, dance to the music of time. Ooh, that sounds funky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's actually it's one of those books um, that, that's, uh, that I think they began with uh, "A la recherche de temps perdu" by Marcel Proust, uh, oh, which is a, a I mentioned that in the last podcast. Really, the long, like, one of the longest of novels ever, in which nothing yeah. happens. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy called uh, Ove Carl Nusgaard, who's the current poster boy of the writing books. But I, think, I read one of his books. Uh, he's a Norwegian bloke who's in it, uh, about 50 now. And he, the book one is me from age 12 and a half to 12 and three quarters or something. Right? Rough, well, I exaggerate, but not much. So it's one of those books, <laughs> one of those series of books where nothing happens. So I kind of knew what was going to happen in book two. <laughs> no moves, no dances. No dancing. Yeah. That's another one of those. Of I mean, that's. Yeah. A, I mean, it's not quite up there with the lion's testicles, but you no. know, dance to the music of time. What a great title. Yeah. Yes. And then nothing. This week I haven't read uh, Fashion Cats by Takako Iwasawa, Japan's number one cat tailor. Oh. And it's a book of photographs with his two supermodel cats. They get paid, everybody, <laughs> called Prin and Contaro. And they're wearing hats, ties and capes. I, I'm sad that I haven't read this book, actually. No, isn't it I only got the first page. Isn't it just pictures? It's okay. pictures with cats So in, what, you're not ties. even tempted to I'm not tempted to go any further. No, because I don't like animals in clothes. Oh, well, I so guess tempted. also you were too busy reading about Japanese rocks that look like Brad Pitt or Johnny <laughs> Depp or whatever it was. I know. Yeah. Brad Pitt is probably in there. He's very oh, similar okay. to Johnny Have you still Depp. got that book? I have got that. Do you want to read that right now? I know, I know. (laughs) Adam, in the box, uh, anything you're not reading this week? 
Um, well, there's this book called uh, Sex Tips for Humans. <laughs> we have a pandas. It's actually uh, it's supposed to be really good, but uh, pandas aren't very good at writing. So <laughs> James, you're so sharp. I'm thinking of re- replacing you <laughs> with two adults. Can Adam. you just replace me? I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, Phoebe, are you reading uh, or not reading anything at all this week? Um... I made a pact with myself over New Year that I would buy a load of philosophy books and get back into my philosophy. But I bought all the books and they're still on my shelf. Yeah. And I'm still only on chapter two of Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, which I love, but I really, I need to sit down with it for an extended amount of time to give it its due. If a philosophy book is on a shelf, does that mean that it is actually ever going to be read? <laughs> this I'll be is spending a good the next question. three hours discussing this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's do Yeah, let's discuss. And a tree falls on it in a forest. <laughs> uh, moving on to our pandas Spanish. Our pandas Spanish, Georgina. I genuinely think a lot of pandas are Spanish, yes. Anyone who's uh, listening to this podcast for the first time should know that the the bookend, the sections, don't actually bear any resemblance at all to what we then go on to talk about. Just so you know, in case anyone's confused. Trying to work. It was Um, a bit like a really good novel with a great title, isn't it? And then then a whole load of nothingness follows. So, Georgina, we're following that rule. What have you got in our pandas Spanish this week? Um, There's such a thing as berserk llama syndrome. I can see you all lighting up already. Berserk llama syndrome, where a llama actually thinks its human owner is another llama and can get really aggressive because of it towards the owner. But I just love the idea of berserk llama syndrome. Well, because it's bossing them around and stuff and yeah. it gets to leave the pen and that. And it made yeah. me think if a llama is looking at a human and thinking, you're another llama, yeah. then are all animals looking at us humans and thinking, you're another dog? hamster, guinea pig, frog, whatever. And are they just thinking we're large varieties? and Because I know dogs, if you do certain things, react to you as a leader of the pack and stuff, don't they? Mm. Yeah. If uh, Ricky, our music producer, is listening in the box at the moment, Ricky, if there is a band called Berserk Llama Syndrome, <laughs> uh, I, wa- I want you to book them for, for the next show. They're in next week. They are. Hey! <laughs> title for a book a, as well yeah. isn't it, it is. <laughs> maybe that's a book i haven't read next week it can be busy now this is fascinating. this is all they proved that orcas can learn to speak dolphin oh. now i'm trying to picture oh. an orca and i'm thinking it's a bit like an otter is that right no, no an orca is a whale a it's a killer giant whale, whale. Oh. Killer whale. Yeah. so what did you think it oh, was i thought an it was otter. like an <laughs> oh, no. otter no, am I thinking, yeah. is there a famous otter called Orca? Tarka. Tarka. That's where orca I'm going. Is, orca's the killer whale. <laughs> orca's the killer whale. You would be in a bit of trouble if you met Orca and you thought, oh, hello. <laughs> Hello, Orca, you lovely, sweet hey, little, little otter. Orca. I'm not an otter, I'm a killer whale. <laughs> and you, uh, my owner, look like another killer whale to me. So uh, yes, I'm going yeah, to have to kill you. I'm sure that Tarka the otter could actually speak dolphin. 
I've not read any of them. I've not read Cares, not read Talk of the Otter, not yeah. read no. any of the Water other Water Babies. Wind in the Willows. For some reason, up. this reminds me of the, the fish that you, in, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, the Babel fish. The, the Babel fish, which is a fish that you stick in your ear yes. and it translates yes. any uh, species language from one to another. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can put an orca in So do you reckon that's how the orca <laughs> does it? The you orca, can if it's an otter. The orca sticks a fish <laughs> in its Andrew ear. Andrew Mark would probably do. <laughs> Okay, so killer whales can learn to speak dolphin, and I'm just wondering what use is it? Well, Are you going to like lure them or in, um, chat? Sea worlds, sea worlds, and those sort of water park oh, yes, type they make things. Noises, they always, they? they always live together, don't they? Oh, They're okay. Probably so anyway, I like the idea of killer whales. And my last one is is for um, I I found this quite interesting. There's a baby chicken when it's growing up uses its right eye to look for food. And it's left eye to look for predators. Do you think that's a useful thing or do you think that's a weird thing? I mean, I know they're on, very, on the side of their head, so it's different to us, as in we look forward. But mm. fancy having an, a, like a, a law or mm. a dictatorship where it says, but so what happens if your predator is on your right, but the food is on the left? You just get killed. Well, you, you, you need to ask someone who's got eyes on the sides of their heads. Yeah. I, get, I, guess well, they, I know, like Messer Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> they, I guess they turn their, their heads to see, so they look forward with their right, they look at the food, and then they, right. that means that they're look, yeah. keeping an eye on their behind, behind them, them with their left eye. Behind them, see if anyone's eye. sneaking up. Yeah, but what happens if their predator is eating their dinner? Oh. Like, what if the food and the... Yeah, thing are in the same. What if? What if the food's poisonous? That's, that guys? is a, a, a real chicken conundrum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not this. I'd say in the world of chicken conundrums, yes. that is yeah. the best one. <laughs> and far more than the oh, which, chicken which egg. Comes first. Yeah, come on, really. get a, yeah. That is old. Old. <laughs> We've got the new one here. So, Jordan, it's almost time for uh, some more music. We've got just enough time for one. Quick, our panda Spanish before we go. If you lift a kangaroo's tail off the ground, it can't hop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a useful thing if you're ever faced with yeah. a kangaroo and it's going to chase you. Just lift its tail off the ground, it can't do anything. I also learned this way. Every element of that is wrong, Georgina. <laughs> One, if, yeah. if you're faced with a, ca- with a kangaroo... <laughs> yeah. You can't reach its tail. No, that's It's true. in the way. Yep. Two, it won't be able to, if you're stood behind it, lifting up its tail, it doesn't need to chase you. It's got you. It's got you right there. And why would you not want to be chased by a kangaroo? I know, I Sounds know. Like so oh, I'm sorry, James, but I, I was actually walking uh, through Crouch End yesterday and uh, after a man with tomatoes on his back, a <laughs> uh, kangaroo suddenly appeared from nowhere. <laughs> It hopped, it was in front of me, and then suddenly it turned around and I grabbed its tail and it yep. stopped There you go. Stopped That's yeah. before this yeah. podcast as well. Uh-huh. I thought that maybe if it happened tomorrow, you'd know what to yeah. do. You and, see. and on that note, uh, thanks, James. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Georgina. I'm going to leave you with uh, one more song from Phoebe Catis. I used some kind of make-believe 
There you go, closing the door. Behind you as you take a seat. Are you really right in front of me? Oh, I'm a mess, I must confess. I've been waiting for someone like you to come along and sweep me off, sweep me off my feet. Oh, and there you are, standing right in front of me. Oh, I can barely breathe. Are you some kind of make believe? Oh, 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 Sweep me off my feet, oh, oh, and there you are, standing right in front of me. Oh, I can barely breathe. Are you some kind of make believe? Are you some kind of make believe? That was Monkey Fingers at the Crypt, written and presented by James Shakespeare, Georgina Salby. And me, Brian Loff. Our special guests were Dave Cohen and Phoebe Catis. Audio engineer was Adam Stokes. Monkey Fingers at the Crypt was produced by Brian Loff and Ricky Barber for Bleach Productions.